Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Broad comes into bowl to Kane Williamson on 99 not out, and it's good length, just fended down out to out to point. 99 not out, Blundell on 58, New Zealand uh, 405 for five. Who would have guessed that? Leading by 179, so we'll keep a look out. Kane Williamson 99 not out, 224. What a perfect time for a return to the scoring scoring box for Kane Williamson. Um, I'll just watch this one more ball. Uh, hold on there, James. Big moment in New Zealand sport about to happen. If Kane Williamson can get this 100, Broad has one for 66 off his 20. Comes into Williamson, bowls, and he just defends it out to mid-off. No run. Right, time to talk to this chap that I haven't ever spoken to before, but I watched him last week at a meeting in Australia. And I always cheer wildly when New Zealanders are racing or fighting or playing against the Australians. And he got the chocolates in the 800 metres. He joins us now, James Preston. Welcome in, James. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for making all my cheering worth it last week in Australia. It was a fantastic race. Yeah, it was uh, nice to be in a very competitive race. Um, pretty scrappy one, which I think made for all the better watching, so... Good to run fast and good to be in a nice competitive one. What sort of nick do you feel like you're in for the 800 metres uh, with the Nationals just around the corner? Are you at the at the peak of your powers at the moment? Wouldn't be far off it, I think. I mean, for us, certainly the better part of the season is the June-July period. Um, but based off what I ran in Melbourne, um, I was half a second off my PB in a pretty scrappy race, so... Um, in pretty good shape from what, I, from what we see. The obvious thing when watching you run is you seem about a foot taller than the rest of the field. So uh, there's no point running behind someone to break, uh, break any breeze that might be happening. Do you find a lot of people try and tuck themselves in behind you? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, the plan for that race is to try and get out of it further forward, but uh, a few of the Australians are pretty keen to get there before me. Um, so... Yeah, sometimes. I mean, when we head overseas, usually you get a few of the bigger guys, so that's a bit nicer to tuck them behind them. How long have you been running? Can you tell us about your introduction to athletics? Yeah, so I guess I've probably been doing it as long as I can remember. Um, New Zealand's really good with just the primary school athletics days where you go out and have a bit of a go at everything. Um, but I wasn't super competitive until sort of my mid to late teens. Um, I was a hockey player for most of that time, but mm. had a bit of success around sort of 17, 18. So relatively new in the grand scheme of things. So how did you land on 800 metres? I know you've done a few 15s as well. How do you figure out as a teenage athlete who's doing well that 800's my gig as opposed to a 400 or a 3,000? Yeah, I guess probably enjoy the punishment a wee bit. Um, <laughs> I think it was um, was always sort of good at uh, the 15 and the cross country and the longer stuff, but um, 
had a bit of that speed from just the hockey I was doing. So ended up being pretty good at it. I mean, I hated the eight to begin with, but eventually decided that I liked it. It's punishing. Like um, at my old school, we used to, at Palmy Boys, we had to run every discipline for PE. There was a thing called the five-star medal or certificate or something and everyone got timed on every distance I thought the four was the hardest I spewed after that uh, the eight wasn't much better it, it's a taxing distance though isn't it so I want to know as a percentage in an average race because I know some races are sit and sprint and some races are gunned down from the start and very tactical the the, the first 600 metres how close to 100% speed are you do, do you sort of go at about 70 um, so the first two, the first 200 metres is within maybe like a second or two of my 200 metre PB. I mean, that's wow. possibly because I don't run many twos, but for the first 400, that's then within maybe two, three seconds. So you, you're there or thereabouts for the first lap. Um, the main thing is just trying to hold on over the end. I mean, normally it looks like you have a few guys pulling away, but usually they're just slowing down less than everyone. Yeah, I've always uh, likened it to greyhound race because the, the, the greyhounds run as fast as they can for as long as they can. And while it looks like someone's accelerating, you're right, it is the rest of the pack slowing down. So what sort of mental gymnastics goes on in your head with 150 to go? Yeah, I mean, we typically look at about a two-second deficit. So if we're trying to run, say, 146, we'll go out in a 52 first lap and then a 54 second lap. So when you're coming into that home straight, you know it's, probably going to be pretty slow but as long as you're still feeling good um you should be on for a pretty good one and if it's a windy meeting do you prefer the headwind in the back straight or the home straight oh that's a good one um i had a windy meeting around this time last year and i think i preferred to have the headwind down the back straight you're a little bit fresher then and you can sort of relax into that headwind well relax as much as you can um, and then just sort of bring it home with a tailwind over the last hundred so what do you see as your strength, James? We're talking to James Preston. He's the fastest man in New Zealand at the moment, over 800 metres. Is it, is it a kick finish? Is it like um, speed on the whole way and try and spit people out behind you? What, what tactically in a race suits you the best? Well, it's, it's been tough over the last couple of years because most of the races, well, we haven't had um, championship races just because of COVID. We've sort of had a few athletes not be able to travel back to New Zealand. So most of the races have been just generally fast from the get-go. Um, so I haven't done many slow tactical races. In the past, I probably would have seen a set of slow tactical race, but I think it's somewhere in the middle at the moment. Um, fast enough that it's challenging, but still slow enough that you can wind up a wee bit over that last 100 to 150. So since all those travel restrictions did finish with uh, the nightmare that was COVID, have you been able to travel and do a little bit um, internationally? Yeah, so we raced internationally through June, July in Europe last year. Um, and then this season, it's just opened it up a lot more through the domestic season. We've just been able to go back and forth um, from Australia. Uh, whereas last year, we sort of had to go on had to go and base myself in Melbourne for a month and a half, two months. So how do you choose or map out your competitive diary, you know, looking ahead a year? Do you pick and choose or do you have to be invited to some or selected for some? How does all of that work? Yeah, um, so 
I guess this is more my coach, Evan Cooper. He's a bit of a, a wizard when it comes to periodization and planning this. But we'd look at sort of two two peaks throughout the year. So looking to peak in March, April for the domestic season and then June, July for the European season. Um, but for the domestic races, typically I'm fast enough to make the, well, the New Zealand races and there are thereabouts to see Australian races in, in the past. Um, this year it was a bit easier. We were getting invited to the Australian races, but with the European ones, I guess it's, it depends on what kind of level meet you're trying to race at. If we're trying to go for top level meets, then you've got to plead with the meet organisers. <laughs> um, whereas some of the more low key meets, it's just into yourself. But I do have a manager and he's been helping out. He's helped immensely over the last sort of 12 months with finding these really good opportunities that in the past we may overlook. And does it basically you just have to present to those meets, hey, look, I can run this time and I want to run here, and they'll just basically look at the time? Yeah, so you're, you're supposed to go through a manager. So the, I think the World Athletics Rules and Regulations stipulate that athletes aren't supposed to liaise directly with meet organisers. So you've got to go through a manager, and then the manager's typically going to talk around, like, personal best, season's best, maybe spin a bit of a yarn around how training's going and try and convince them to get you in. Um, Often I think it's about who you know, that kind of stuff. Um, some of the European and American guys often get leveraged into races off other athletes. So, yeah. How's your training changed over the last, obviously the, the COVID situation, but you're an athlete before then. How much does your routine change, your schedule change to keep things fresh and I guess ultimately to get you faster? Yeah, it's been pretty big change over the last, say, four to five years. So I had a couple of pretty big injuries in 2017 and 2018, 2019. So I had two stress fractures. Um, and so before that, I was running a higher volume than I am now. So sort of at 100k weeks, whereas now we've dropped it down to at very most 60 to 70. So we're sort of focused a wee bit more on less volume, more quality. Um, but over the last sort of year to two years it stayed pretty consistent just focusing on these little um, marginal gains and small improvements. Actually that folds in nicely to a text we've got in from a listener saying can you ask uh, James about a split between endurance training and what that entails and speed training and what that entails? Yeah so even though my mileage is relatively low we'd probably say that I'm a bit more aerobic so um, I will do like an easy threshold at least once a week, so 10 to 20 minutes. So that's sort of focusing on a specific heart rate, um, not overly taxing. But most of the, the training we'll do will be sort of around 1,500 metre race pace. Um, so, yeah, quite a, quite a bit of slower stuff, um, but then we sort of sprinkle in some, like, real top-end speed at least once a week. So that'd be like a... 150 or 200 or 300 basically um, for it. Jesus. I remember talking to Portia Bing and I know she's got hurdles in her way um, to run her 400 metres but the amount of technical input in arms and head and stride length and counting and all of that, how much technical expertise or feedback do you get from your coaches about your actual stride? 
Yeah, so Evan Cooper, my coach, is pretty hands-on. Um, he'll pretty much give me feedback every training. We'll do one a week that's focused on technic the technical side of things. So that's sort of walking over hurdles, um, some fast stuff over the short mini hurdles. Um, and that's where we look at sort of, I guess, knee position, um, hip position, that kind of stuff. Um, and that's not only trying to make us run fast, but run more efficiently and hopefully reduce the chance of injuries if we're running a bit smoother. And how hard is it to access that when you're actually in the heat of competition for for your minute 40 odd? Um, how hard is that to keep that if you've been working on a knee or a hip or a elbow or a shoulder or whatever it is when you're in the heat of the battle? Do you, do you train it so hard so it's second nature or can you be conscious of it while you're racing? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, some days you feel like you're running a million miles an hour and it feels easy as and you could keep on going for, you know, another couple of laps. Um, when it's that case, you know, pretty easy. You don't really have to think about it. But there's other days you're having a bit of a rough one and everything seems to fall apart over the last 150. But often when that's the case, it's usually pretty quick. So as long as you're focusing on those little technical things, you should probably run through the line pretty well. And coming into the Nationals, do you target first place or do you target a time? Uh, this year we'll be targeting placing. Um, we've got Brad Mathis coming back over. He's, I think, like a seven or eight time New Zealand champion. So he's very fast and we had a good battle last weekend in Melbourne. So I think with the presence of a guy as fast as him and a quality racer like him, it's certainly focusing on the win. When he couldn't come over because of COVID, it was a bit more of a focusing on trying to run fast. Brilliant. Well, James, I wish you all the very best. Um, is it just the one event for you this weekend, just the 800? Not that you'd have any petrol left to do something else. Yeah, just the 800. We did consider before, but a bit too much racing the one weekend for me. Yeah. What about a high jump or something or, or, or a shot put, you know? <laughs> I'd love to, but not quite built for those events. <laughs> hey, awesome, James. Uh, thanks heaps for chatting to us today, and good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. James Preston there. Um, 800 metres this weekend, third fastest New Zealander of all time behind Peter Snell and John Walker. So that's pretty pretty good credentials. And an update, I didn't want to interrupt the conversation, it would be rude, but Kane Williamson has made his century. He's 105 off 231 balls, that doesn't matter, the 105 does, and the fact that he is not out does as well. Blundell, who was going along at a runner ball for a while, he settled in nicely. Now he's 58 off 99, 411 for five. New Zealand with a lead of 185. Uh, this is a brilliant, um, a brilliant fight back by New Zealand, considering they are following on to get the 411 for five at the Basin Reserve. The crowd... Is it's funny, you know. I look in the stand, these jackets, polar fleeces, the whole shebang, uh, and then they show the grass bank. And I just saw a fella in a steady the ship cap and shirtless, um, soaking in the overcast sun uh, skies of Wellington. Um, so there you go. Uh, how do I get the cricket commentary on SCNZ? <laughs> I get a lot of these, you don't, because uh, we don't have the broadcast rights. I apologize. Um, a few more text messages. I'll, I'll get one out of the way. Uh, this is from Baza English saying, Hey, Staff, long-time battler, first-time texter. I'd just like to mention how amazing it was to see professional boxer Jake Paul put his best foot forward this morning.
even though we didn't get the results. He will rebuild. We. Baz are English. Is in Jake Paul's camp. Professional boxer. I tell you what, he's a YouTuber who's just dead lucky he got a boxer in there and got taught a lesson. Got taught a lesson. Be interesting to see what he does next. So apparently he's invoking the rematch clause. So that'll be the next fight in Saudi. So maybe that, that's why it was scripted that way. Anyway, we'll take new sport and weather. When we come back, we will revisit our Show Me The Money. We will have a look back in the day and a couple of other bits and bobs as well.